How many of you are ready to get into the Word this morning? Yeah, man. <laughs> I, uh, you know how Bill Johnson tells a joke at the beginning of each sermon? I, he told this one, and I just I couldn't get away from telling it. Do you mind if I share this with you? Because it, it was pretty good. Um, so this is the hormone guide. And it's divided into three categories. Dangerous, safer, safest. All right, you ready? Dangerous. What's for dinner? Safer. Can I help with dinner? Safest. Where would you like to go for dinner? <laughs> Dangerous. What are you so worked up about? Safer. Could we be overreacting? Safest. Here's my paycheck. Dangerous. Should you be eating that? Ow, man, yeah. Safer. You know, there's a lot of apples left. I don't know if that's safer. Uh, safest. Uh, can I get you a piece of chocolate to go with that? Dangerous. What did you all do today? Or what did you do all day today? Sorry. Safer. I hope you didn't overdo it today. Safest. I have always loved you in that robe. Yeah, okay. Man, stand up with me and let's pray. <clears throat> let's kick this thing off right. Come on, we're going to get our calisthenics in, get your blood pumping, flowing through your veins, So mainly so you don't fall asleep, but it's all right. No, I'm teasing. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this moment together at heaven's gates. Father, we just invite you into this time. God, I just thank you for helping me, helping my tongue be the pen of a ready writer to communicate, Lord, what you needed communicated today. We thank you for it, and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. If you agree, say amen. 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 You can have a seat. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. It's going to be a little different today because I don't know that I've ever... I, I've preached on this subject before, but I don't know that I've ever preached it like this. And so I'm excited about the opportunity to get to share Colossians chapter 3. And I want to look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. Everybody say bearing with one another. And forgiving one another. Everybody say forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. You know, when you look at that part of the scripture where it says a complaint against another, that would be the same as saying gossip. One of the things that we encourage, uh, like our staff to do, and we're encouraging our teams to do, is if somebody comes to you with a complaint about someone else, that you need to ask them two questions. One, why are you telling me? And number two, have you gone to them and talked to them about it? Have you gone to them and talked to them about it? Well, Pastor Phil, why do we need to do that? Because of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18. In verse 15, it says this. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, you and him alone. 
So it's encouraging us to go to the person and begin to talk to them about it. Not run to the phone, but run to the person. <laughs> we used to say to the throne. That was, a, that was a slogan we had for our kids whenever they were feeling, you know, uh, certain, uh, whenever they would get mad at each other, you know, they would run to the phone and call mom. So we'd say, hey, don't run to the phone first. Run to the throne first, you know, and go and seek God and find out. Let him convict your heart, right? And so in this, here's the reason that I bring this up is that's not what a lot of us do. In fact, I would venture to say that's not what most people do is they don't go to the person and find out what's going on. What do we do? We ghost them. Get offended, take an offense. We cut them off. You know, we're not going to communicate anymore. Now, now we're mad. Now we've thrown walls up. And so now there's not the ability to bring resolve because those walls go up. Because you've been cut off, because you've been ghosted. I saw a meme. I thought it was so funny. It was my cousin posted it. And it was this guy. He's got a smile on his face. And he said, that time when you... You know, you go online to check on an old friend that you haven't seen in a while and, and you see add friend. What's happened? They have unfriended you. You have been ghosted. You've been cut off, right? That, that doesn't feel good, does it? But that's so much of what people do. And I remember when I graduated from Bible college, um, it was the last class that we had. And I led the worship for the class. And so um, we had a guy that he was, he was older than me. Um, so at that time, I was in my late 20s. And so it didn't take much to be older than me at that time. But, you know, he was an, he was an older guy and he played violin. I didn't know him to be prophetic or to have that gift at all. But I remember he came up to me on that very last class that we had. And he said, Phil, I just feel like I have a word for you from the Lord. I said, okay, well, what is it? And he said, I feel like the Lord is saying to always remember no relationship is disposable. I've never forgotten that. I've never forgot that word that he gave. You know, I just felt like, wow, man, that's, that's a strong word because we as Christians, we can't afford to cut off relationships. I'm bringing this up for a reason because I, I, I've, I've experienced that. I don't, want to sh I don't want to see a raise of hands because I, I know if I have, I know other people have. Where, where suddenly something has happened, an offense has happened, you've, you've offended someone or you've done something, and suddenly they don't want to talk to you. And they've created this barrier that's impossible to cross. Let me let me show you let me show you what I mean because let me tell you something ghosting people is not love. You've stepped out of love. When you cut people off like that, you've totally stepped out of love. Why? Because love would, would leave the door open. Love would leave an open opportunity to at least have a conversation about what's going on. And so in Proverbs chapter 18 verse 17 it says this. Well, before I go there, let me make this statement. We wouldn't, um, in a court of law, we wouldn't consider one, someone to be guilty on the testimony of only one witness when there was more witnesses, right? 
We would never make them guilty. Okay, think about this scripture in Proverbs 18, verse 17. It says this, the first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination happens. In essence, one side of the story sounds correct. It sounds like it could be right until you go over here and you hear the other side of the story and you hear what's happened over here. But what if this opportunity is never taken advantage of? Any of you that have ever done counseling, you know, when you do marital counseling, you have to hear both sides of the story. You need both. Why? Because there's truth with both. If you just have one, it may be some truth in there, but it may not be the whole truth. Right? Okay. Yeah, this is going to be one of those real exciting messages I can feel in here. So in a court of law, though, people are presumed innocent until they're proven guilty. Presumed innocent until proven guilty. And too often we judge someone guilty by the mouth of one testimony, mouth of one witness. So in Deuteronomy 17, verse 6, it says this. It says, never put a person to death on the testimony of only one witness. Wow. Never put a person to death based on the, on, on the testimony of only one witness. There must always be two or three. So, because, you know, this has been something. I, I said, Lord, are you sure you want me to preach this this morning? <laughs> he said, yes, this is for today. Because I've seen it so much where, where people have been written off and don't even get an opportunity to share their story. I'll, I'll share, what, share with you what I mean. When we came here, um, we came to Arkansas. We were told that by a pastor that he wanted to retire and he wanted to give us his church. That was what we were told. When we got here, we found that it was a different story. And so we were, when we, you know, when we questioned him about it, we were suddenly fired and found ourselves that we had moved here, relocated here from out of state and we're in a lease on a home, and now we're fired. And so we were like, wow. See, because we didn't just come here to start Vision Church. God opened the door. He threw us, literally threw us into pastoring. We didn't, we had no idea what was coming. And so when we got thrown into pastoring, we were, we were excited. So we set our launch date. We launched on February 17, 2019, down the street here on Emma at the Apollo. And when we launched there, I thought, oh, this would be a good idea to go down through the community and introduce myself to different people in the community. And so I started to go from business to business. We had the little invite cards that we still have uh, that we're encouraging you guys to, to invite people with. And so I, was, I walked in one hair salon and I said, hey, I, my name is Phil. I pastor a church called Vision Church. We're just right here at the Apollo, right here on Emma Street. And I, I just want to invite you to come and check us out if you don't have a home church. And she goes, oh, I know about you guys. Oh, okay. And she has a person in the chair. She says, oh, I know about you guys. I said, oh, okay, well, what do you know about us? She said, you guys are part of that church split. I said, church split? No, no, we're not. And she goes, oh, yeah. And I mean, she just, she had heard a story about us. And she began to tell me her story. I said, well, and so I told her when she got done, I said, I would love to have the opportunity to share our side of the story with you as well. I said, and that way, you know, you'd have both sides. And then if you still feel the same way, I, I understand. But I'd love to be able to share that with you. Oh, no, thank you. I wouldn't be interested. 
okay, so I've been crucified. I told you this is going to be a real exciting message. So <laughs> there's always two sides to every story is my point, right? There's two sides to every story. How many of you with Christmas coming up remember the movie White Christmas? You've seen the movie? Okay. All right. So Bing Crosby, right? Rosemary Clooney. Bing plays a guy named Bob. Rosemary Clooney plays a, a lady named Betty in the story. And so the end of the story is that this couple's supposed to get together. You know, you want them to wind up together at the end of the movie. Um, but so, but when it starts, you know, of course, they're, they're single and they, they meet each other. And through certain circumstances, they wind up at a ski lodge. And the owner of the ski lodge happens to be the general that he served under in the war. And so the general has this ski lodge, but there's a problem in the ski lodge. It hasn't snowed for three months. And he's, he's about to go out of business. And so Bob, because he has a big heart and wants to help and it's Christmas, he's thinking, he's trying to think of a way that he can help the general. And so he decides, you know what, I'm going to call a producer that I know, and maybe he'll let me go on his television program and make a pitch to the guys. And maybe we can get enough guys to come up here to the ski lodge and at least give this guy a good Christmas, give the general a good Christmas. And so while he's on the phone call, the desk clerk decides to listen to the phone call. And so she listens into the phone call. Many of you know the story. She doesn't hear all of the call. And so what happens? She misinterprets the phone call. So she tells Betty about the phone call, about what she knows of the phone call. And so when Betty hears that, she now totally shuts off. Walls go up. And she says, I'm done. I'm not going to be a part, you know, of that. And so Bob tries to talk to her multiple times. You guys remember the movie? He tries to, you know, and he tries to find different ways that, that he can share his side of the story and try and find out what's going on, but she won't let him. What's going on? This is what a fence looks like. One sure sign that a person is offended is they don't want to talk to the person that can bring understanding to them. Amen, good preaching, Phil. So offense keeps, I myself, I'm sorry. Offense keeps a person from listening to both sides of the story. So, so let's turn over to Matthew 24 and look at verse 10. Matthew 24. And it's okay to amen, it's okay to hoop and holler, it's okay to do all that, but Sometimes when people do that too much, I wonder if they're really listening. So, so it's, you know, it's like a balanced combination there. Matthew 24, look at verse 10. It says, and then many will be offended. This is Jesus talking about the end of time. See if, see if you can see this correlation to the culture that we're living in today. And then many will be offended. Are we seeing that yeah. in culture? Okay. And will betray another, one another. And will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Do you guys know that scripture in Proverbs 18 where it says, A brother who is offended is harder to win than a fortified city or a strong city? 
What makes a city strong? The walls that go around it. So think about this progression, that a person gets offended. What, what happens? The walls go up around them. Now, now, and really it's intended to keep one person out. But the walls go up. And then what was the next progression? It said, there, there's betrayal. You hurt me, so now I'm going to hurt you. What's happening? There's, there's fighting in flesh and blood, right? And then there's the betrayal. And then the next thing was deception comes in. You know, you know the thing about self-deception, you know what makes it so bad? It's deceiving. Exactly. And especially when it's self-deception, self-deception means that you don't realize it. That you're deceived and then you don't realize it. And then what's that last thing that came up? It was lawlessness. Think about that word lawlessness. Lawlessness means that you have now become a law to yourself, that you're no longer submitted to his law. Man, I don't know anything that can promote self-deception more than becoming a law to yourself. This is what offense does. Wow. So another sign of offense is an unwillingness to talk it out, an unwillingness to open the door to allow conversation to take place. You know, in my family, whenever we got upset at each other, uh, we would get quiet. That was how we did it in our family. And so when I married Nicole, I basically married into the loud family because they talked about everything. And if you've been around Nicole very much, she's a good talker. She can, she can talk a long time and, and literally say nothing. She's, I mean, it's amazing. That's a gift. That's a real gift, you know? And I didn't mean that in a mean way. See, she knows me, but you guys don't. See, see what I mean? This perception. Do you feel that? I mean, I'm the bad guy. And I'm sorry, that's literally a gift, though. She's got the gift of gab, man. She can just... Tom, where's Tom? Tom's got that same gift. Anyway, okay, yeah. All right, so, sorry. I'll keep... I need to get back on the highway. I took an off-ramp there. So, anyway, so when I married Nicole, Nicole would talk about stuff, you know? And so if I got angry or I got upset over something, I would get quiet, and what's she doing? She's trying to talk to me about it. And I'd be like, I don't want to talk to her. I'd be like, you know, and I'd try and find somewhere where I could pout by myself. And the, the sad part about a pity party is nobody comes to those. You're all alone. So, I mean, I'm just in this pity party by myself. And Nicole the whole time is trying to say, honey, let's talk this through. Let's... And so she would finally get me talking. And then you know what happened when I started talking? Resolve. Understanding would come. Oh, everybody say understanding. Oh, my, my, my. I, I was told recently about someone who did something that wasn't right. And the reason I was told was because I, I was involved in it. Um, not the wrong that they did, but just in the situation. And so the person that told me that, I thought, well, that doesn't sound right. And so what I did was I texted the person and I asked them, I said, did you do this? I mean, is this true? And they texted me back and they explained why they did that. Now, suddenly I understood why he did that, even though the perception was that he did something wrong, but he didn't do anything wrong. 
You see what I'm saying? But it, because I texted him, the air is clear. Now forgiveness takes place. Now, now some, there's going to be those times that you're going to have to forgive anyway, even though it was wrong. But I'm making a point in clearing the air. Think about this scripture in Proverbs chapter 4. In verse 7, it says this. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, do what? Get wisdom, right? But does it stop there? No, in all you're getting, get what? That's not the translation. Is that, do you have a new King James Version? Sorry. In KJV? There it is. Get understanding. Get understanding. In all you're getting, get understanding, right? So another sign of offense is an unwillingness to get understanding. A person wants to cling to what they heard. Sometimes we've wanted things to be true. And our unwillingness to go and have that conversation. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. Well, hey, God hasn't called you to be in your comfort zone. He's called you to step out of your comfort zone into discomfort so that things can get resolved. This is, I mean, are you seeing why this is, there's so much division and so much this going on in the church? Is because uh, an unwillingness to talk things out. An unwillingness to have conversation. We're seeing it in our Congress right now, in our Senate, where, you know, there, if, if you say something that someone doesn't agree with, they just turn you off. It's like the radio. They just turn the old dial off. And I'm not going to listen to that. And they try to silence you. Is that bringing understanding? How can we understand each other if we don't have conversation? If we don't come together and try to understand? Amen? Wow. And so it's difficult. I think what it is, is it's pride. Because pride, for a person that's in pride, it's difficult for them to admit the possibility that I could be wrong in this. And you know what that leads to? It leads to foolishness. We were, um, <clears throat> we didn't even know that we had offended this guy, <laughs> Nicole and I. We're, we're just at the store shopping. And uh, years, it was, years before, um, we, hadn't, we hadn't seen him in probably a year, and at least, and this was years ago. And um, anyway, we ran into him in, in the store, he and his wife. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a situation where you could get away from each other. I mean, it was, you know, you had to talk, <laughs> had to recognize each other. And we would have anyway. But I could tell by the expression on his face that I was the last, we were the last people he wanted to see. And, uh, but his wife was cordial. So we began to talk to her. We began to, you know, uh, ask her about them and what they were doing now. And she asked about us and it was a good conversation. And when the conversation was over, I, we said, please tell your husband we said hello. And he's standing right there. He wouldn't even acknowledge that we were there in the room. And we just wanted him to know, hey, we're good. We don't have any offense on this side. We're, we're clear, we're, we're good. We just want you to know we're okay. And, um, and, but when we walked away, I had this thought, I thought, man, 
this shouldn't be in Christianity. A 60-year-old acting like a 12-year-old should not be in Christianity. I mean, that should be a sure, tall sign that I am offended. But what, what do Christians not want to admit? We as the body of Christ when we're offended. It's embarrassing. It doesn't feel good to eat crow, does it? Eat crow? Is that, people understand that saying? So, okay, I just want to make it. Some people were looking like, eat crow, what are you talking about? All right. <clears throat> man, as Christ followers, that shouldn't be a deal, man. We shouldn't hold on to offense. In Proverbs 19.11, it says this. Good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is to his glory to overlook an offense. It is to our glory to overlook when somebody tries to, says something that's potentially offensive. Because offense is something that a person takes. You don't have to take it. It may pop out there. You know, you may, maybe by something somebody said, something somebody, somebody did. But you don't have to take the offense. Right? Okay, so turn over to uh, Luke 17. I want to read over here. See, here, here's the sad part is the presence of God can't be where offense is. And you know why? Because it's sin. It's unforgiveness. Offense is unforgiveness. Luke 17. Look at verse 1. <clears throat> it says, It is impossible <laughs> that offenses shouldn't come. It's, it's impossible that offenses won't come. Wow, that's a scripture I didn't, I didn't want. Verse 3, it says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And it, and it even goes on to talk about repenting when they repent up to 70 times. Forgive them. So in these scenarios, there's, there's something common. And you know what it is? It's us going to our offender. Let's read it again. He says, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. How can you rebuke him except face to face? The last scripture we read said to meet with him alone. Meet with that person alone, not out in front of everybody. Don't criticize him on Facebook. Don't post negative thoughts about him. Don't post negative comments. It's not saying to do all that. It's saying to go and meet with him. Yeah. So, so it's going to involve us going and meeting with our offenders. See, Jesus is the perfect example of this. Becca, could you help me out? Appreciate you. Thank you. Jesus is the perfect example of this. And, and if anyone had reason to throw his cross down, and say, these people don't deserve it. It would be him. If anybody had a reason to be upset, disappointed, discouraged, it was Jesus. One of the, one of the things that's always been surprising to me in ministry, I was talking with a pastor friend of mine, and he was telling me, uh, he said, you know, Phil, he said, they told me in Bible school that he said, I, I, they, 
I might get lied to and I might even get lied about. He said, but what they didn't tell me is that it would be those who were the closest to me. Because offense doesn't hurt as much from the world. Why? We have, we have no expectations of the world. I mean, our expectations of the world is way down here. So they meet that every day. You know? And then your expectation of family, expectation of your pastor, <laughs> expectations. Well, I mean, it's true, you know? But when do we ever have the right to dispose of a relationship? I'm not saying you have to be best friends. I'm not saying if somebody came into your house and they stole something that was precious to you, that you let them back in your house. But you can forgive. I remember I talked to Pastor Billy Joe. It was the last time I talked to him. Uh, well, it was the time before the last time I talked to him, before he passed away, I went home to be with the Lord. Um, but he had called me and uh, we were down in, working in Austin, Texas at the time at another church. And, and I had just seen the newsreel of he had had an altar call. All these people came down forward and they were praying for people at the altar. And this guy reared back and he punched Billy Joe in the face. And he started bleeding. Blood started pouring down the side of his head. And, and he tried to continue to come after him. And the usher, of course, you know, Grave realized what was going on good safety team in place, pulled them back, pulled him back. And come to find out, it was the same guy that had punched Richard Roberts on his show, one of his shows one time. The guy had escaped from a mental institution and was there. And, and Billy Joe had just preached on walking in love. Just preached on it. How many of you study something and then it's like instantly you get the opportunity to walk it out, man? It's like, and so, so here you got, and so I, I talked to him on the phone. And I said, Pastor Billy Joe, I said, I, I just saw you on the news. You were being interviewed because you got punched in the face by this guy. What happened? He said, yeah, you know, he was, he had, he had broken out of the mental, mental institution and had come and and I had just preached on walking in love. He, later, later, Pastor Billy Joe wrote a book about it called, called Knock Down But Not Out. And yeah, it was so good. But, but here's what I appreciated about what he did. Billy Joe didn't get offended. He didn't cut the guy off. He followed them back to the mental institution and asked for permission to see the guy. And he let him know, I forgive you. He said, don't, don't worry about it. He said, but he wanted to minister to him. And he wound up praying with him. <laughs> what a great example for us. See, if you ever arrive at a place where you're even thinking about the possibility of cutting someone off permanently in your life and never allowing them to have a conversation with you again you can rest assured you're offended and it's time to let that go there's some people they haven't talked to a family member in years when we used to do ministry uh, with, with the elderly and we used to go into into you know assisted living places we did a Bible study in Louisville for uh, seven years every Wednesday noon 
at this, this living complex. And it was so sad to me when I would meet people that were offended by a family member back in 19... And they were still holding on to it. And I thought, wow, when are you going to let that go? When are you going to choose to forgive? Because that could be the very thing that's holding you back from what God wants to do in your life. Even at 80 years old. Hey, look at my mom. She's living out her best days. She's not here. She's with, her, with my, daughter, my sister in Tulsa and uh, having a great time. But, you know, God has a, a plan and a purpose. But do we want anything preventing God from being able to take us to where he wants to take us in our life? Let me tell you, offense can hold up the process. Unforgiveness will hold up the process. Why? It's sin. It's sin. The presence of God can't be where sin is. And as long as that thing has got a grip on our heart, as long as we're holding on to the hurt, as long as we're allowing the hurt against us to produce sin in us and we're offended, you know what else people do while I'm on the subject? That they'll get offended, they'll leave a church, and they'll tell the pastor, God told me to leave. Now I've heard God's name taken in vain. I've heard people say Jesus Christ. I remember one time the sales manager at, the, at a car dealership I was working at years ago, he got mad over something and he said, Jesus Christ. And I just went ahead and finished his sentence for him. And I said, is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He did not like that. He did not appreciate that. But he took the Lord's name in vain, right? But do you know what's worse than that? A Christian who tells you that God told him to do something that God never told him to do, that's taking and using the Lord's name in vain. All right, I'll read to you. This is Jesus. He's our, he's our perfect example, 1 Peter 2. In verse 23, it says, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. What was that scripture in Proverbs I just read? That it's to our glory, our glory, to overlook an offense. It's impossible that offenses don't come. They're, they're gonna come. They're gonna come. The question is, what are you gonna do with the offense? Are you gonna entrust yourself to the one who judges righteously? righteously? Or are you gonna throw the gloves off like those hockey players and start swinging? Come on, don't put this in the same category as, as fighting battles, okay? I know there's a time to strap on the sword and, it's, and there's a time to go and take care of business. David did. There's a time to fight. I'm talking about offense. Mm. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 21 says this, do not take to heart. Now this is Solomon, wisest man. Do not take to heart all the things that people say. This is a word for you and I today. Do not take to heart everything that people say. Hmm. Lest you hear your servant cursing you. 
Have you ever read more into what people said than what they meant? Let me ask you this, have you ever said anything wrong? Have you ever been misinterpreted, misread, misunderstood? No, I didn't think so. Just me. Because <laughs> my downfall is I get to do it with a microphone on. <laughs> it's like, oh, I wish I hadn't said it. Somebody asked me, do you go out and listen to your messages? No. I don't want to hear what I said. I don't want to be sitting there going, oh, Jesus, I shouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry, Lord. You know? Ah. Listen to what it says. It says, don't take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. Oh, oh, that just got real. Wow, so I I, I wanna pray for you this morning because I know everybody deals with offense because Jesus said offense is gonna come. It's gonna come. It just is. But how are we going to respond to it? What would love do? You know, it's not about what would Jesus do, it's about what did Jesus do. I just read to you what Jesus did in 1 Peter 2, 23. That was his response. Hmm. Sounds like we need to work on our response. Sounds like it's time to let some things go so that we can move forward. Phil, you don't understand what they did to me. No, you're not remembering what he did for you. It's not about what people have done to you. It's about what Jesus did for you so that you could become you and I that's what salvation is about it's a it's not about you and I just getting our sins forgiven and getting to go to heaven it's about you and I becoming something being transformed into the image of Christ when we're transformed into the image of Christ then guess what that means we we respond the way he responded we look like Jesus so that when the enemy looks at us they go oh that's a person who's been with Jesus I want to pray for you this morning would you bow your heads all around the room just close your eyes because I, I don't want anybody I want us to be able to just focus in in this moment to what God is saying to your heart if you've been holding on to offense if you've been holding on to things, to hurt, to disappointment, to discouragement. And you see the fruit of it in your life based on what we read, the walls coming up, the, the betrayal, the, the hurt, the pain. And, and it can be all be one-sided, but let me tell you, the way that you respond to it is how you're going to be able to move forward into what God has called you to be and do. I've told, we have encouraged people time and time again, don't leave one season of your life bitter, angry, frustrated, discouraged, and disappointed. Because the way you leave a season is the way you enter the next season. There was a guy that came into our church and he was really bitter and angry over something that had happened to him years before. 
and he came in and I, and I said, he said, I said, I said, how long are you gonna carry this? And he said, I'm not carrying it. And I said, well, you carried it in here. And he looked at me with that, oh, I did, look. He said, what are you, some kind of therapist? I said, no, I'm just filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, God can set you free. You don't have to carry this anymore. You can release and you can forgive. I don't know if I'm able to forgive him. That's why you do everything in faith. You do it by faith. Well, how many times do I need to forgive? What did Jesus tell Peter? Basically, always, every time, no matter what happens, no matter how many times they sin against you, if they come back and they repent, forgive. I want to take it a step further. Even if they don't forgive, release them. Choose to forgive them, especially if they won't give you the opportunity. If they're offended, they may not give you the opportunity. That's what, that's how Nicole and I have, have made it so long in ministry. You know why pastors give up in ministry? It's because people get offended and they leave and, and they get hurt by it because there's, you know, when you pour into people's lives and you give your heart and someone leaves, it doesn't feel good. It, 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 I mean, subconsciously you think, hey, there's some kind of allegiance or loyalty to the church or to, you know, and so I thank God that we were released from that years ago. Oh man, we got free. I'm not saying it still doesn't hurt, still doesn't, you know, it's, I mean, there's always gonna be that opportunity, but now we know what to do. We know to forgive, to release, to let go and to love. And maybe you're here, you haven't done that. You haven't let go, you haven't released. You haven't chosen to walk in love with them and you realize that's what's been holding me up. That's what's been stopping God from being able to do some things in my life that he wants to do and I'm ready this morning to release it. If that's you, I'm gonna pray for you. I would like everybody to pray with me this morning. Let's just all pray together. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand because uh, I'm not into knowing people's laundry. I am into people getting free, set free and delivered by the power of God. So let's pray together. Would you repeat after me? Let's pray together. Let's pray nice and loud so that the devil knows that we mean it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for forgiving me. Because you've forgiven me, I in turn forgive others. I release them. I let that go now in Jesus' name. I choose to live unoffendable. I release offense. I can no longer be bound by that hurt. I thank you, Lord, for healing me completely from the inside out. Thank you, God. Now, in your own way, just begin to thank Him and praise Him. Come on, let's thank Him and praise Him together. Just lift your hands, lift your voices, honor Him. Father, we just thank